Today, we're going to tell the story of a company that all started with millions in CIA funding. Its top clients are the many alphabet agencies comprising the American intelligence industrial complex. It has a gallivanting conservative billionaire founder connected to President Trump. It's basically a private spyware dealer, hawking surveillance software to the U.S. government. You probably haven't heard of it, but its name is Palantir. Some have expressed concern that your, your clients could actually use Palantir to do evil things. Do you worry about that? Uh, it's always, there's always a two-edged uh, part, part to these technologies. You know, technologies are, are never intrinsically good. And lately, motherboard reporter Carolyn Haskins exposed the disturbing Big Brother powers of their top-secret police tools. I'm Ben Maku, and this is Cyber. Carolyn, let's let's start from the very beginning. Okay. What is Palantir and how did it begin? Right. So Palantir is basically a big data aggregation company, and it specializes in taking data from all different types of databases, companies, etc. And working for a really big client, they can mesh all of this information together and make it actionable and find connections in a way that an individual human probably wouldn't be able to do. So it's been sort of a favorite organization for uh, big government agencies, law enforcement, branches of the Department of Homeland Security, branches of the uh, of the army and the military. Um, anything that's dealing with intelligence on a mass scale has Palantir on their radar. So it's in effect, this is sort of a private spy company in, in many ways. Yeah. Private spies. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's a good way of putting it. I think it's worth noting that their Palantir organizes information that other people already have. You know, so it's not like Palantir is in and of itself like taking data from like crime records, arrest records, public records, other types of sources. They're organizing it and combining it. If that makes sense. I mean, information in and of itself is useless unless you can do something with it. If it's not organized, then anyone who wants to take advantage of it in any kind of way isn't going to be able to do that. So that's where Palantir comes into the picture. Yeah, and I mean, if we're, th- if we're talking about spy networks and just spies in general, I mean, information is power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It's, this, is how, this is how big intelligence agencies are able to find ways of seeing populations, ways of seeing their enemies, because they can mm-hmm. quantify and analyze data. Yeah, like if you can break down an individual, a suspect that you're interested in, into hundreds of different little data points, you're getting a much different picture of how to approach that, you know? So tell me about Peter Thiel, the founder. Um, Yeah, so he was the founder and one of the early investors. I mean, you might know him from the Gawker lawsuit. You might know him from funding uh, different types of ventures throughout the years. I think, do you remember that island story where he wanted to fund some sort of like weird island anyway? So he's basically, he's kind of this weird Bond villain-esque character. That's probably the most efficient way to describe him. It's like him and Eric Prince are are just gunning for who's the more Bond villain-esque person on planet Earth. Yeah, yeah. 
and of and of course he's known for having sorts of uh sorts of you know right political associations and such and you know directing his investments in ways that reflect that now the beginning of palantir one thing that always caught my attention was it was a an early recipient of cia funding mm-hmm. yeah yeah I think it's a good example of if you're like a company in your early stages and you're able to get a government contract that can really just float you through those difficult years and bring you to a level that you might not be able to otherwise, you know. So, I mean, basically what you're you're describing is this company that's had deep connections to intelligence agencies in the United States because they do actually contract with the FBI, the CIA, DHS, Mm -hmm. special forces that they have in the past. These are, you know, these are some of the premium law enforcement and defense contracts in the entire world. Right, yeah. And it's interesting because, um, so obviously Palantir isn't the only company that these intelligence agencies are giving big money contracts to, but especially when it's combined with other types of contracts with, I don't know, for instance, like Thomson Reuters Clear, which is just basically another policing law enforcement tool. It can be combined with Predpol, which is like a predictive policing tool, which has sort of been criticized for... uh, sort of broken window style uh, policing, perpetuating that style of policing. Um, So the danger here isn't even just in Palantir itself. It's the way that it can be combined, used, and multiplied with every other contract that the government has. And this is a company that was like originally exposed in 2010 by anonymous hackers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is a name that's been floating around for years. Mm -hmm. Now, you got a scoop recently on something it was doing with the police. How did you get it? Right. So I was sort of interested in Palantir's relationships uh, with law enforcement agencies around the country. So I filed over 100, I don't know the final tally, uh, just uh, public information requests with local police departments around the country to see if they had any kinds of contracts or correspondence uh, with Palantir. And almost all of them came up empty except for Palo Alto. And Palo Alto mentioned that um, through the Northern California Regional Intelligence Center, they had access to Palantir's software. So then obviously I filed another public record request to that. I call it the NCRIC. I was told recently that it's called NICRIC. Um, I guess I'll just call it NICRIC. But anyway, when I filed it to NICRIC, I guess um, that's when I got back over a dozen documents that really shed light on the relationship between Palantir and them. And what came back included a user manual, which was filled with jargon and was very difficult to parse. But if you sort of just go through it carefully, it gives you a decent amount of insight into how it works on a practical level. And I also got payment records and such, which indicate that over 300 cities and 14 counties were able to get access to Palantir through this regional intelligence center, what's sometimes called a fusion center, because basically its role is to take data from tons of different sources, both public and private, and to combine them to work on special types of investigations. But what's interesting about the NCRIC is that local police departments can say, we're working on this case and we need Palantir in order to solve that. So it can be used to address pretty much any type of crime that you can think of. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So what you're describing then is a piece of software that a, a police officer can type into a database, a, a name or, mm-hmm. or a license plate, right. and it could then sort of put together all of the vectors of information across public records and federal, state records, municipal records, and start to paint a picture of an individual, even if that person is not guilty of a crime. Right. So basically... I don't really get into detail about, like, the subpoena process. I mean, in terms of, like, the automatic license plate reader. Um, So that's kind of a big feature that's highlighted in the user manual. You do have to enter a case number. um, And when you're doing a people search, you have to put in a reason for doing the search. And whether that person is innocent or guilty or not, I don't really get into that in the article. But... It seems intuitively that there's ways that this could potentially be abused, the fact that the search field is kind of an open field. But I think what's worth highlighting here is just the pure power of the tool and the fact that you're able to get, I mean, not even just name, address, gender or sex, um, and that kind of thing. You can get emails, bank account information, anything that's included on your license, like height, weight, eye color. And if you're combining that with data from the automatic license plate reader, you can see your travel history. Because if you're associated with a particular license plate and they've been able to capture that at, say, like a toll booth or something, you take a picture of a license plate, they have access to that. So if you just type in the license plate number, you can see where you've been and when because the location and the timestamp, they're both logged. So... So what you're describing is sort of this this truly very modern, powerful Big Brother machine that is that is essentially powered by Palantir, this CIA-funded yeah. It's really company. like like omnipotent knowledge there. It's it's really, really incredible and unsettling to sort of think about just the scale of the information um, that can be used against different types of individuals. And Palantir's making a profit off of this. This is something that they've designed that they then sell around the country and around the world, too. I think they work with other governments. They work with corporations, some major corporations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Palantir is a really expensive software. In fact, sometimes it's so expensive that different governments can't afford to renew it. But lucky for uh, the governments that are using them, at least in the case of the Northern California Regional Intelligence Center, they had what's called a perpetual license, which means that even after the last contract period expires, they still have access to Palantir and they can still continue to use it. They just won't get like updates and such. So that not only eliminates the paper trail there um, in terms of like after the contract period it expires, but it basically means that all of this information is just indefinitely in the hands of police. Now, I mean, this is probably a good time to ask you, what does the name Palantir come from? Well, <laughs> apparently it's from Lord of the Rings. 
Um, and it's some <laughs> sort of uh, all-knowing orb. Full disclosure, have not read Lord of the Rings. Okay, f- <laughs> full, dis- f- full disclosure, <laughs> full disclosure. Lord of the Rings nerd over here. <laughs> it, well, okay. it's, so the, the, it's a giant orb that Saruman, this like terrible, monstrous wizard uses to look around Middle Earth at anyone whenever he wants. Yeah, I love that. What orders from Mordor, my lord? What does the eye command? We have work to do. Yeah, it's great when you're putting the moral foundation of your company into, like, an evil nerd thing. That's great. Very reassuring. Yeah, that never ends well. Like, imagine reading that book and being like, yeah, that sounds great. Imagine that being your takeaway. I mean, again, I think, wait, I did read, I read The Hobbit. I do do know that there's very clear distinctions between good and evil, seemingly, when I read it. So Saruman is not a good dude. He was actually at one point like a semi-good dude, and then becomes Mm. just monstrous, like a monstrous, evil character. This is what Peter Thiel took his inspiration from when he's like, you know what, I'm going to be a founder of a surveillance company, and I'm going to call it Palantir. Yeah, it's nice to sort of take pride in that and <laughs> start your narrative that way. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Uh, in character for, for him. Um. <laughs> but, you know, this is a company that has incredible amounts of power, but also the relationships it has are also incredibly powerful, right? So mm-hmm. we know that there's been some weird connections between Palantir, Cambridge Analytica, mm-hmm. and Facebook. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a company that has is not only itself extremely powerful and has a lot of relationships within the U.S. intelligence community and law enforcement community, which mm-hmm. is in effect the most powerful, some of the most powerful agencies in the entire world. Mm-hmm. But also, it has these weird relationships with people like Facebook mm-hmm. and Mark Zuckerberg. Did you ever hear Mark Zuckerberg's testimony when he was questioned in the Senate committee on Palantir? I don't know if I did, actually. I remember watching the Senate testimony, but I don't remember that bit specifically. It is incredibly weird. Do you know who Palantir is? I do. Some people have referred to them as a Stanford Analytica. Do you agree? Senator, I have not heard that. Okay. Do you think Palantir taught Cambridge Analytica, as press reports are saying... How to do these tactics? Senator, I don't know. To me, what makes this company really fascinating and and the story that you did today, just exposing this manual that allows us to catch a glimpse of just what this company can do and get on you, is there's not a lot known about it. Yeah, it's, it's funny because there's been a lot of stories that have been done about how Palantir can manage different types of information systems. But if you just... I mean, let's say if you go on like Palantir's like YouTube page and look at its promotional videos and they have a video that's like, how does Palantir work? And it's just a bunch of graphics that show nothing. Palantir brings in many databases into one system. Currently, Palantir brings in the following databases. Crime and arrest report information, field interview cards, automatic license plate reader information. Like it gives absolutely no insight into how this works on a practical level. But what's interesting about the guide is that they actually include examples of the interface and what happens when you make a particular type of search and the type of results you get. Like, for instance, you can make a search for a person's name, get a lot of results, and then filter on the right side by different types of, like, 
first and last name matches, different addresses, and pretty much any possible data point associated with that person. And there's like about two dozen different data points and like another half dozen data points that describe those former data points, just like hundreds of different ruminations um, of ways that you can catalog people. I mean, that's the thing is that people like us that are working in this space know what Palantir is. And this company could potentially get tons of information on us. But the wider public has no idea what Palantir is, unless they're Lord of the Rings fans. Right. And I think I think Palantir has gotten some attention lately um, because of its its contract with ICE, which is expiring soon. And activists have been speaking up and encouraging this contract to end. And even when Palantir was invited to host a conference, I think it, I think it was at one of the University of California campuses, activists were saying that they didn't want Palantir to be hosting the conference, that it would be an insult to the kind of business that it does because it basically manages different case records um, that can be used to help build up legal cases against people who could potentially be deported, people who are being held in detention. And so it's gotten attention in in that context. But I, I think what's sort of makes me sad is the fact that when I found out about this whole perpetual license thing, like even if its contract with Palantir is expiring, I mean, we can look at what's going on with the NCRIC. That doesn't mean that ICE won't be able to use Palantir anymore. They're either going to get a service that works almost exactly the same way which, as a matter of fact, that's what's happening with that particular agency. They said Palantir is too expensive. We're we're replacing it with SAS, which is basically going to do something similar. And with ICE, even if they don't renew that contract, that just means they won't get updates or like live help if they're troubleshooting a problem. They can still use it. They can still track and log immigrants and build cases against them in that same detail-oriented way. So this really is like the machine of, of Big Brother. It's the Leviathan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Just kind of bums me out. <laughs> I can tell the story really did affect you. This is something you, you really care about. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's disheartening to think about like every single way that we move through the world is, can be weaponized against us. I feel like it's been something that's been really, I don't know, I've just been thinking about it, about it a lot lately. Like... You know, on a related, somewhat unrelated note, you know, just the fact that a lot of stores are pivoting to, like, not accepting cash, meaning that, you know, if you're using your debit or credit card, these are all purchases that can be tracked and can potentially get into other people's hands, whether this is through a data broker or some other kind of way. Every system that catalogs our moves is not designed to be used in our favor. It never is, you know, and I think Palantir is a great example of that. Like, as as long as that information is actionable it's going to be used against people, you know? Yeah. Just even in terms of, like, bringing this back to Lord of the Rings, and again, speaking vaguely as someone who has not read the book, I don't know. It's strange to have these these understandings of good and evil, especially when it seems to have a pretty clear association with evil in the book, if I'm speaking <laughs> correctly enough. I don't know. There's just a lot of things that seem to be inconsistent about that sentiment. Well, Carolyn, thank you for being on Cyber. I think this is your Cyber debut, isn't it? Yes. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. You'll be back on again, I'm sure, soon when you've discovered something else that will piss off a Silicon Valley spy company. Hold up. 
traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.